our battles through praise. We fight our battles through hope and trust that you are the Lord our God and in you we can put our confidence. So Lord, we come to you. Here we are to worship. Here we are to bow down. And here we are to declare that you are Lord of all. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do ask these things and we do pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Oh, bless your name, Jesus. You're welcome here, oh God. You're welcome here. Bless your name, God. You welcome here. Let's sing together. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your prayer. I've tasted I've tasted and seen of the sweetness of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone your presence Lord there's nothing worth There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted. I've tasted and seen. Of the sweetness of love when my heart becomes free and my shame, and my shame is undone. Your presence, your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are welcome.
want you to know that um, the weapons of our warfare, you all, are not carnal, but they're spiritual. And it says here that in spiritual warfare, the weapons we fight with are not of this world. They are spiritual weapons with divine powers to destroy strongholds. Also, that out of the Lord's faithfulness, he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one and me from the evil one. This is just a, a subtle way of saying that all of your battles are already won. And the Lord will never leave you at the mercy of the wicked one. If you don't believe that, I want you to go to the scripture where it says that not death or life, angels or demons, the present or the past or any other thing in all creation will ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors because of who we are in Jesus Christ. So that's how we find out that the battle has already been won. We just need to walk in victory. Amen, church? Amen. 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 So let's put this song in our arsenal. Let's start from the top. You ready, worship team? There's a table. There's a table that you prepared for me. In the presence of my enemies It's your body and your blood you shed for me This is how I fight my battles Let's try that again There's a table There's a table that you prepared for me In the presence of my it's your body and your blood you shed for me. This is how I fight my battles. Let's sing that again. There's a table. There's a table. There's a table that you prepared for me. In the presence of my enemies. It's your body. So my weapons, I 
for things. All you could ask for things. And it's according to according to the power. The power given you
declare it again. Don't give up on my God. Don't give up on God. Cause he won't. Cause he won't give up on you. One last time. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. Cause he won't. Cause he won't give up on you. be seated. You are here today. Julie, okay. You are here today because God did not give up on you he won't give up on you he can't give up on you his love is an everlasting love he loves you and he loves me more than we can ever comprehend but because people have given up on us and we have given up on people we naturally think that God gives up on us and if you're ever tempted to believe that lie go in your mind's eye to Calvary he went every step of the way with you and with me on his mind to set us free and to save us from the penalty of sin and death when they told him to come down off the cross he would not and he did not come down because he won't give up on us that's the only way that he could save each and every one of us was that he had to taste death for all of us in our place the just for the unjust the perfect one for all of us who are imperfect his life in exchange for ours and not only did he demonstrate love on the cross rather than giving us what our sins deserve the father punished his son crushed his son in our place but as we sang about the victory today he not only paid for our sins, but he rose from the dead on the third day. Securing what was purchased on Friday. Proving that he is the son of God. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you shall be saved i'm saved but i know there's some other saved people in the house today are you saved by faith just raise your hand come on if you're saved by the blood of we can do better than that are you saved today by the blood of jesus christ 
And as our sister read from Romans 8, nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing. Especially no demon and no act that you can do to cause him to unlove you or to undo what he has done in your life by grace. That's why it's grace. And last week we baptized two believers last week who made their faith public who let everybody know that Jesus saved them and that they were identifying with his death, burial, and resurrection in this water here. And last week I did something I normally don't do because we normally schedule baptisms about six to eight weeks apart. But last week, for some reason, I believe it was the Holy Spirit, I said if there's anyone here today, last week, who wants to be baptized, we'll baptize you. And I said it last week, today or next week. And last week after I said that, people came to me and let me know, Pastor, the Lord's been talking to me and speaking to my heart. I want to get baptized. And they're, they're coming today to get baptized. But guess what I'm going to do? Amen. Let's give Jesus some praise. Come on now. We, we, we. I'm going to tell you a little bit about their story. But this is a setup also. If there's a believer here and you haven't been obedient to the Lord's call to get baptized, talk to me, okay? And let's do it next week. We don't have to space these out. Let's be obedient. If you know that the Lord's been talking to you about either rededicating yourself or being baptized for the first time, give us a call at the office, okay? We're here to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And one aspect of being a disciple is being baptized. But there may be someone under the sound of my voice. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm here to say to you that today is the day you can have a relationship with him. Going to church won't make you right with God because if that were the case, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. Trying to do good deeds, uh, that won't work because all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Trying to be a good person, uh, there's none of us righteous. You just have to surrender and give your life to him. We're witnesses. We're believers of what Jesus can do. But if you're lost and you want to be found, if, if there's an emptiness in your heart, you're not born again. I want you to pray and ask Jesus today. Matter of fact, after we baptize these witnesses, I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you're here, maybe you're here for the first time today. If you never asked Jesus into your life, today's that day. And guess what we'll do? We'll either baptize you today or next week. Amen? All right. It's the good news. He didn't give up on us. Come down off that cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and he is sitting down at the right hand of God, ready to come back again. Right, that's the good news. But let me give you all another kind of good news. 
Because when I gave that invitation last week, which I normally don't give, if you want to get baptized next week, this young lady, Michael, she uh, came up to me. Let me read her full name here because it's a beautiful name. Michael Monique Davis, 17 years old. 17 years old. And she said, Pastor, God's been speaking to my heart. She served at a Christian camp this summer, barefoot camp, serving other young people and being a leader there. She met Jesus as a young girl and got baptized as a young girl. But she felt the Spirit speaking to her saying, as you get ready to go into this next season, I want you to begin this next season rededicating your heart, your life, everything, everything to me, starting with baptism. And she was a little nervous at first, but she said, yes, Lord. And there's a boldness on this girl here, y'all. She shook that fear off. Will y'all help me welcome Miss Michael Monique Davis to the baptism waters? Come on, church. your mother at? Where's your mother? There she is. All right. And she's got friends. What, Mama, don't cry. She's got friends watching online because she's not ashamed of Jesus. Oh boy, when I was 17, I was a Christian, but I was ashamed of Jesus. We need more believers like this. Amen. Amen. Oh my God. Michael is Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. Would you like to be baptized at this time? Yes. Amen. when God moves, he moves in a, in a whole family. In the book of Acts, you will see families getting baptized. And God's moving in this family because now it's time for her brother Solomon to come. Solomon, would you come? Yes, Solomon. And, and y'all got to hear this. His name is Solomon Braden Miles Davis. Watch yourself. Take me to the water. Take me to the water. 
baptized. Wow. This is a powerful symbol. Water baptism. It's a symbol of cleansing. Along with a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And when I was talking to Solomon, and I began to ask him about the gospel, which he has. He, he has understanding of the gospel. He has a love for Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he's going to hand them to me. He has a love for Jesus. But he broke down crying in the back because he was aware of the things he has done wrong. At nine years old, he, he's aware, and it broke his heart, the things that he had done. But it was also good to rejoice in the good news that Jesus died for all the wrong things you've done and all the wrong things you will ever do. That's the good news. And I had to let him know that he wasn't the only saved sinner in the building. His pastor is a saved sinner. Y'all don't hear me. And it's the blood of Jesus that washes. So young man Solomon, is Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. Amen, sir. Are you ready to be baptized? Yes. Amen. All right. There we go. child shall lead them childlike faith to enter into the kingdom Jesus told the adults I wish you would repent and become like children if there's an adult here and you don't know Jesus today is the day say Jesus be my savior Jesus be my Lord and if that's your prayer I ask you, matter of fact, I challenge you, come see me, okay? I will be here after church. And if you say, Pastor Chris, I asked Jesus into my life, or I want to know a little bit more about him, I pray that the Spirit of God will let you go to that parking lot and get in your car until you come talk to me, okay? And if there's someone here who says, Pastor, their obedience is challenging me, and I need to be obedient to the Spirit of God. And I need to get baptized. We will pull this pool out next week. And we'll baptize you, okay? We won't wait for six weeks. We'll follow what the Lord may be doing. Because uh, he hasn't given up on any of us. And he surely won't give up on you. Is that all right, church? My God, isn't God good? Let's give Jesus a hand praise. My God. And also, while I'm here, if you don't have a church home, you need to find one soon. Because when 
believers would get baptized, they would become a part of a family, a church home. You need a church home. So if you don't have a church home, come talk to me. As a matter of fact, I've got some wonderful neon green cards here that's just waiting to have your name put on it. And it talks about church membership, talks about baptism, and being a believer in Jesus. I'm going to leave these on the stage. Pray the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. At this time, it's time to give some money to help some folk who are hurting. This is our benevolence offering. All right, our benevolence offering. Would you stand to your feet, please? Would you stand to your feet? Let me get my ushers to come. That's what Brother Patrick said last week. He didn't think we heard him say that. But he said Ursha last week. This is not our regular offering. This is our benevolence offering that we give. We ask for you to bring some dollars, some coffee money, some change, just to help people who are hurting. The church uh, is able to reach out and help all kinds of people throughout the week, throughout the month, and this benevolence offering helps us to do that. So, Father, would you bless this offering and would you bless those who are coming to give? Would you multiply it as you are so faithful to do, Lord? Would you stretch it and would you put these monies in the hands of those who need it most? We lift up our homeless neighbors and friends. We pray, Lord, that you would watch over them and keep them. We pray for those who are hungry, Lord, that you would even help us to help feed them today. Take care of your people, Lord, not only outside the church, but those who are hurting inside the church. Thank you, Lord, that money is a tool that can be used for the furtherance of the kingdom. So bless these monies. Bless the giver today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on if you have a gift, if you have a benevolence offering. Come on, come on, come on. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. One more time. Praise the Lord. Amen. My name is Isaiah Marshall, and I am the director of student ministry here at Strong Tower Bible Church. Amen. And I would like to officially welcome you all to service this morning. And I would also like to welcome those who are joining us on live stream. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. 
Do we have any first-time visitors this morning? If you could please raise your hand for us. We don't want to put you on spot, but we just want to love on you a little bit. We have a gift for you. Amen, amen. So on that gift bag is a yellow card. If you can please fill that out for us so we can know how to reach out to you. And uh, thank you for uh, joining us this morning. Amen. And anyone who needs to get more information or get connected, please fill out the connect cards in the back of the seats. And also in the back of those seats are prayer, prayer cards. So if you have a praise report or a prayer request, we would love to praise and rejoice with you in your report. And we would also love to pray with you in your request. So please fill that card out as well and place those in the offering baskets that will come by uh, shortly. Amen. So now it's time for our dismissal. Can we please dismiss the teachers at this time? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen, amen. Thank you all for serving. Thank you. All right, now if we could dismiss our kindergartners. Kindergarten, kindergarten. Our first and second graders. First and second graders, our third graders, amen, and lastly, our fourth and fifth graders, you are dismissed, amen. Now we have reached our time to meet and greet one another, to love on each other with the love of the Lord, amen.
dessa. Okay, okay, everybody. Good morning. Well, while the pastor is out of the room, I think I'll just preach. Is that okay? Has anybody this week had an answer to prayer? I see that hand. I see that. I see those hands. I see hands back there. Yeah. Wonderful. It's just great when you experience it, isn't it? And when you recognize it. Seems like in our culture, we do a lot of glancing, but we don't do a lot of looking. When I was little, railroad crossings had stop, look, and listen. That's what you saw in front of a railroad track. Stop, look, and listen. So absorbing what the Lord's doing in our lives, I think, is a, is a powerful thing we need to encourage each other to keep doing. So on Thursday, uh, I had an opportunity to experience what, uh, what uh, Jewel and the worship team called us to do this morning, inviting the Spirit into this place. So today, in the real estate world, it's really rare for people to encounter each other who are involved in a very uh, uh, important transaction. I mean, agents don't really meet each other because we have electronic communications. Uh, parties, buyers, and sellers don't often meet. We close in different places and do all of our other work separately. But Thursday morning, I had a chance to witness a, a final walkthrough. I had represented the family that was selling. Neither of these families are affiliated with Strong Tower, by the way. But uh, the family I represented were the sellers. And then uh, another agent that I just happened to know, which is also unusual in this area today for us to know each other, it, there's so many involved in this business, uh, brought the buyers for their final walkthrough uh, through my company's listing. And so I was... Uh, seated in the living room, not to be in their way. They were looking through the, the paperwork to confirm the re repairs, you know, that the sellers had agreed to make, et cetera, et cetera. So I sat down in the living room, and uh, the other agent came in to join me, and then the husband buyer came in, and he sat down. And uh, <clears throat> I said, how's it going? He said, oh, yeah, everything's fine. He said, I thought you'd like to know that we had several houses to choose from. And he said, when we left this house, my wife said, there's something special in that house. And he said, she said, did you feel it? And he said, yes. And she said, I believe it was the Holy Spirit in that house. And they bought it. And so the next morning, Friday, I had a chance to meet with my clients in that house. And I said, by the way, I'd like for you to know what the buyers said about this going into this purchase. And I told them, and Mrs. Seller said, that's what we've been praying for all along. <laughs> so see, prayers are being answered. And if we'll take time to think, stop, look, and listen to see how God's working in, in each of our busy lives. I want to thank you, and ushers, you may come forward for the morning offering. Those of you who are directly underneath the uh, balcony, see that? See those white circles? There's, there's two on this side, one in the middle, one, two over here, and then yeah, there's some in the ceiling above the balcony. It says fire alarm in red letters. 
And through your generosity this summer, uh, our church now has a fully uh, alarmed building, all the classrooms, all over this entire complex. We've got a very effective fire alarm system. Thank you for your generosity and your faithfulness. Yes. And your faithfulness in giving. A lot of organizations just like ours plan for a deep dive in offerings in the summer. And ours has just stayed steady. We're on the last Sunday of August. And our, our, our line has just been straight and consistent. So thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the growth that we're experiencing here. It's powerful. So when Jesus was instructing uh, his disciples, he taught them a model prayer. And at the end of that prayer, in the sixth chapter of Matthew, after he had said amen, he said this, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So as we recite together the Lord's Prayer, let's keep these thoughts in our mind. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. morning strong tower it is sunday august the 25th 2019 yes and here is what's going on at the tower ladies please join us this afternoon at the women's fog kickoff we will have a light lunch fellowship and get excited about the vision for this upcoming year that's 1 p.m today in the fellowship hall see you there Join the men's prayer call from 6.30 a.m. to 7 this Tuesday morning, August the 27th. Call details are located on the website and app. Incoming 6th through 12th grade students and their parents, please join us at our Ignite Student Ministry Semester Kickoff Party on Wednesday, September the 4th. This event will be held at Strong Tower Bible Church from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. We will have a parent meeting from 6 to 6.30 in the White House, where we'll be discussing the vision of the student ministry as well as the 2019-2020 calendar. Directly following the meeting, we will have food, fellowship, and a whole lot of fun. Activities will include an inflatable obstacle course, jousting, and music. This is a great opportunity for students to fellowship with one another as well as interact with adult leaders. It is also a great opportunity for parents to take a look into what we have in store for your students this year. We hope you'll plan to join us. 
How has trauma impacted you or your family? This interactive workshop on trauma scheduled for September the 7th from 9 a.m. till noon will provide an introduction to adverse childhood experiences and toxic stress and how they impact the brain, body, and spirit. Register on the website and app. Impact Wednesday nights will kick off for the fall term on Wednesday, September the 11th, and we hope that you and your family will plan to join us. We'll begin with our community potluck, followed by huddle groups for adults, Ignite Student Ministry for our 6th through 12th graders, and Awana for our children. All adults who are planning to participate in huddle groups should sign up through the Strong Tower Bible Church website or app. Even if you have been participating for three years, please take the time to sign up so that we know you're coming back and can set groups accordingly. The Awana registration is now open for children ages 3 years through 5th grade. All children participating in Awana need to have a completed registration form on file. You can find this form on the website and app. And we had a wonderful time with our Apollo seminars yesterday and are excited to kick off the semester-long classes starting 9 a.m. Sunday morning on September the 15th. Adults have three class options, the New Testament survey, pursue marriage, and developing your spiritual gifts. We'll also have a New Testament survey class available for our 6th through 12th graders. We are asking everyone to register on the website or on the app. So pull your phone out, open your app, and get your yourself registered. As a reminder, you can find details of all of these events and activities in our monthly newsletter. Newsletters are located near each sanctuary exit, as well as on the Strong Tower Bible Church website and app. And remember to like and follow us on our social platforms. Be sure to download our app under Strong Tower Bible Church in the App Store, or visit our website at www.strongtowerbiblechurch.com. And that about does it for our morning announcements. We hope you have a fabulous day today. And we shall see you next Sunday right here at the Tower. I have a friend in town. He uh, did a concert last night. And Sister Lasagna asked him, would you mind coming by your old home church and uh, playing a song? Y'all bless my boy Kirk Whalem right here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Chris, my brother Chris. What a blessing to be here. I would just uh, call your attention to uh, the most beautiful girl in the room. And every husband should be saying, oh, you mean this one? Where my husband's at? Okay. Uh, no, that'll be that one right there. Thank you. Her name is Ruby. Uh, this song uh, reminds us that um, really when I saw Ruby first, it wasn't, you know, the fact that she was going to be an amazing wife, that she would be an amazing mother that she would be an amazing grandmother. None of that occurred to me, any of it. You know, the fact that she's organized and she's a, she's a better sort of, um, you know, or I guess you'd say, you know, logistics person than I will ever be. None of that occurred to me. 
like all stuff that now I can't imagine my life without none of that occurred to me let me tell you what it was I fell in love with it yeah in other words there was that something that happened in me that oh my goodness and my, my little legs were kind of you know wobbly and so I would say don't 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 ever forget that it's his loving kindness his tenderness that draws us to him it's not this amazing thing we call the doctrine or you know the gospel of how all of that works it's over my head anyway but I'm grateful that God reveals it through anointed pastors like Chris but man it wasn't that at first that wasn't the thing that attracted me to Jesus it was man it was something that happened and from that day to this day, whenever I started talking about him, I, I tear up, you know, because it, 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 it was just that something. And they said, well, you know, love is not a feeling. I, I know you're right about it, but I'm not mad at the feeling. <laughs> not mad at it. My dad used to say, I wouldn't serve a God who I couldn't feel every now and then. Yeah. yeah so in other words, this song is to remind us how you met him and maybe you 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 read you know the four spiritual laws and you were convicted in your intelligence that's that's awesome man I, I, I'm in awe of that but I'm I'm willing to to surmise today that most of us fell in love with him because we realized one day wow he just loves me anyway he loves me no matter what he just loves me period as pastor he can't unlove me he can't unfriend me. He can't help himself. What kind of love is that? And so to me, the whole thing is really based on a love. What, what kind of love it is? A love that would lay down his life for somebody messed up like me. So to me, I, may, I ain't scared. I ain't scared to talk about the feeling. Because, man, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful. Anybody else in love today? Can we sing it? Falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, oh, falling in love with Jesus, it was the best thing I've ever Cause in his arms like an old man I feel protected Oh in his arms never gets connected no in his arms you know I feel protected before we go on, I'm going to just mention the fact that, you know, we got, we got, we got, you know, a lot of manly men in this, in this joint. I'm grateful, you know, for the manly men, but let me say, I've never been that guy. <laughs> I've always been, you know, more of that sort of guy who was just, you know, man, I like butterflies, you know. 
You know, I'm a musician. I have the side, the tender side of me. I'm not afraid of. I'm not. I'm not scared of it. And so that particular verse right there ministers because I think a lot of times there's too much pressure on us to be men and manly men. You know. But listen, I can say this without shame. In His arms, I feel protected. Oh yeah, in His arms, never disconnected. No, in His arms, I feel protected. And there's no place I'd rather Yo, help me sing Falling in Love Falling in Love Falling in Love Sing it with us Falling in Love Oh Jesus You'll find you with me, girl Falling in Love Oh yeah Oh Jesus Falling in Love can I get my man to stand on this verse right here? Stand up, man, in his arms. In his arms, I feel protected. Oh, yeah, yeah. In his arms, you never disconnect. Oh, it's my father's. In his arms,
What a beautiful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for loving us most. Thank you for wanting to love through us, even to our enemies. Thank you for teaching us how radical your grace and your love and your mercy are. Thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit, who when we yield to him, he produces Christ-likeness and fruit in us that is undeniable. Thank you, Lord. And I pray that at this time, as we come to your word, that, Lord, it would be a word that somebody needs to hear today. I know we all need to hear the word, but, Lord, there's somebody, there's someone that needs a specific rhema word. And if it's not for them, it may be for somebody that they know. So, Lord, as we get into the word, may the word get into us. May we be Berean believers who study what's being said. And never for sheer academic acquisition. But, Lord, for the fact that we may put your word into action. Thank you, Spirit of God. Do your thing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7? A loving Savior. is willing to stand up against unloving and cruel religious people. A loving Savior is not afraid to take time with the outcasts of society. He loves sinners enough to sit down with them and eat with them and drink with them to touch them, to call them by name, to heal them. In many cases, also to defend them. What I'm about to say today is probably something you may have never heard. But just because you haven't heard it doesn't mean that it's not true. But to set it up, in John chapter 8, the Bible talks about how the Pharisees and the scribes caught a woman in the very act of adultery and brought her before the Lord to see what he would do to her because the law says that you are to stone such a one. Now you and I know that religious people, especially religious men, can be some of the most evil people in the world. 
And on that day, they set a woman up. Because how do you get caught in the very act of adultery? But there's only one person present. Religion was going to kill that woman that day. But a loving Savior defended her. He saved her from those zealots because of his love for her. And at the end of that story, he tells the woman to go and sin no more. But he said, where are your accusers? They had left after the Lord's challenge. And he said to her, I don't condemn you. That's love. Too often women in our society, especially women in church culture, feel condemnation. Too often they are set up to be judged and stoned when churches we grew up in would parade women in front of the church or teenage girls rather who got pregnant to publicly discipline and scold them but you would never see the guy standing with the girl. Something is off about how we live the faith out. And when people like Jesus stands up against these religious killers, they come for you. They came for him. And, and in my ministry over the years, I've had to stand up for women. And the religious people come for me. But I'm still here. Because when you hit a nerve, when you, when you mess with that stronghold, that demonic fortress that people have, especially against women. So today I'm going to preach in the spirit of my Lord who stood up for this woman because I want to talk about a passage today in 1 Corinthians 7 that abusive men hate to hear. I'm going to say it again. Abusive Christian men and I put Christian in quotations. They hate to hear what I'm about to read to you today. Because as we'll see today, and we'll go as far as we can, we got time. We'll, we'll come back next week and the week after. We're we, we doing what we do. We, we're marinating in his presence. Is that this passage today takes power away from the abuser. And it reminds the wife of the power that Jesus gives her. So look with me at 1 Corinthians 7, verses 10 and 11. Two verses today. We'll come back next week. It says, Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and a husband is not to divorce his wife. Abusers, and I've talked to a lot of them over the years, when they want to come at me with law, I come at them with love. I come at them with grace and mercy. And the same venom that they have towards their wives usually then spills over towards me. 
That hard heart comes out against me because I'm standing up with truth to say, I know you're quoting the letter, but what about the spirit? Because as we'll see, these Christian abusers know the law, but they don't know the spirit of the word of God. And so we're going to look at Paul on divorce today. Part one. Paul on divorce, because I told you, 1 Corinthians 7, he's answering questions that the church had for him. And he's writing back answers to the various questions. And somebody asked the question about divorce, separation, and remarriage. And the brother starts off by saying, let me give you the Lord's command. That's what he says in verse 10. Let me give you the Lord's command on this. This is not me. This is the Lord. And so we're talking about written tradition from the scriptures that were being compiled at this time. And until they were compiled and able to hold in hand, there was oral tradition passed around by the church, especially by the apostles. So everything Jesus said was not necessarily recorded in scripture, but the men who heard him went around talking about him. And Paul was one of the apostles. And so there were things that Jesus said that he knew that Jesus commanded. So there's the written word and the oral tradition, but there's also direct revelation that the Lord would give to apostles and say, tell the people this. And because of their authority as chosen apostles, they could speak in the name of the Lord and the authority of the Lord as if the Lord said it himself. And really he was, he was just saying it through them. So Paul says in verse 10, Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. God gave me this word to give y'all. He says, a wife is not to depart from her husband. That's the ideal. A wife is not to depart from her husband. And based on the context, the word depart is a synonym for divorce. So don't change the channel. Stay locked in with me. Come back next week. If you can't come, listen online. We're going to be covering these issues, these challenges that confront marriages. Based on the context, this word depart is just a synonym for divorce. So he's saying a wife is not to divorce her husband. This is the ideal. He's saying, honey, don't look to leave. Don't look to separate. Don't look to divorce at the first sign of pain and conflict. Because all of us in marriage have had moments saying, what did I do? And you come off the honeymoon and you hit the honey low and it's like, oh, what's going on? And there's a temptation to quit, to leave, to give up. And Paul is saying to those believers, remain. We see that word over and over in chapter 7. Continue. Stay together. Remember the vows that you made. No one expected worse, but sometimes worse comes. No one expects sickness, but sometimes sickness comes. No one accepts poor, but sometimes poor comes. Problems come. In this life, you're going to have tribulation even in your marriage. But don't you quit. Do not divorce your husband. Love, love, love. Yeah, it's a feeling. But you also need the commitment of the will. Because love, according to Paul, later in chapter 13, it suffers long. He don't put no date on that long either. Love, it suffers long, the same way the Lord suffers with us in our mess and in our disobedience. 
Lord, help me to love the way you love. Thank you, Spirit of God, for shedding love in my heart so I can love. Help me to love. Love bears all things, even this mess in my marriage. Love believes all things, that God can turn the mess into a message, that he can turn it around and work it together for good. He be- love believes all things. Love hopes all things. It's going to get better. Love endures all things. And love also forgives all things. Or in other words, it keeps no record of wrong. That's love. And that's why God teaches us what love is, because he is love. So the ideal, stay in your marriage. When it gets hard, when it gets tough, when it gets rough, don't quit. Don't leave at the first sign of trouble. Don't give up. Get some accountability. Get some professional counseling. Get pastoral counseling. But stay, especially if you have children. Remember those vows, till death do us part. Irreconcilable differences, what's that? God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So Lord, help us. But that's the ideal. But Jesus also knows about all our struggles. So the next part of the verse says, after you leave the ideal, he then goes on to say in verse 11, but even if she does depart, uh uh-oh. That sound like the hammer. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. Here come the hammer. We got an uh-oh right there. We left the ideal. Don't depart. Don't divorce. Don't leave. But then we come into the ordeal. Something that makes her want to depart. Now I'm here to tell you the legalists and the Christian abusers Love verse 10, but they wish they could take verse 11 out of the Bible because verse 11 takes power away from abusive husbands and reminds the wife of the power that she has, that she has the ability to make a choice. If she's in a situation where she feels abused and threatened to say, I can leave this marriage. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. People don't like to hear that. That is, unless you're the one that's being abused. This is liberty to you. This is freedom. This is grace. You're grateful for the Lord making this provision for you. Because too often, our wives, who are the weaker vessel, get treated like a lesser vessel. So just because you're weaker doesn't mean you're lesser. And he's talking about the physical makeup, as Brother Kirk was talking about, as we as men try to hide behind all of that. And so the Bible says, give honor to your wife as to the weaker vessel, but she's not a lesser vessel. She's just as redeemed as you are. You don't have big Holy Ghost and she got little Holy Ghost. You both got Holy Ghost, if you're saved. She's your sister in the Lord. She belongs to Jesus. She's blood-bought. But abusive men hate this text because it takes their power and their control away. And so within these six words, but even if she departs, these six words, Paul empowers women in a major way. But this is not strange for Paul because earlier in this chapter, he said that 
The husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but the wife does. So it's just not he's got authority over her body. She's got authority over his body. He empowered the wife. And for those who want to run to that S word submission and throw it in a woman's face, before you roll at Ephesians 5.22, wives submit, we got to stop by Ephesians 5.21 where it says submit to one another. Any man that's got to pull the S word out to make a wife submit doesn't understand the love of God. You submit to me. I'm the husband. I'm the man. If you got to say that, bro, you, you messing up. And so Paul empowers women. Men, submit to your wives. Wives, submit to your husband. Men, your body belongs to your wife. And now he's going to say, honey... There are some marriages that can get so dangerous, so despicable, so deadly that there's nothing spiritual about you staying there and getting the mess beat out of you. You can depart. You have power. An abused wife is now reminded she has options. There's physical abuse where he beats, he kicks, he hits. And he slaps her. I know you don't think it happens, but it goes on. Physical abuse where he locks her in a closet and leaves her there for hours. Physical abuse. He says the beatings are her fault. He has this cycle of anger, blame, violence, sorrow, apologies, and promises but he never repents because he's sick. Or he abuses alcohol and he's taking something out on her that others took out on him in his past. He's sick, he needs help. And he's beating on her. And so there's physical abuse. And there are women who need to depart from marriages where there's physical abuse, but then there's mental abuse where he uses threats like, I'll kill you, to play with her mind. Or he'll manipulate her by saying, I'll kill myself. I know you don't think this goes on in the church, but yes, it does. He used intimidation. I'll expose you and tell everybody what you're really like. He's playing with her mind. He, he uses looks and gestures and actions and, and he smashes things. He destroys her property. He even will display weapons and wave them in her face. What he'll do to her, what he'll do to himself, what he'll do to the children. Mental abuse. And again, the people who don't like this verse that says, but let her depart. Because over in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about there are various cases in verse 15. All marital problems are not the same. You got to take them case by case. And as a pastor, you got to sit and you got to listen. And when you start hearing this stuff, you never tell someone to get a divorce. At least I don't. I just show them what the word says and let the Holy Spirit talk to them. And then I sit and I walk with them through their decisions. Because as a pastor, yes, I'm holding on to the ideal, but I know there's also many ordeals in here. And there are women who are too afraid to speak 
Because many times they come to the church and they find just as big of abuser behind the pulpit as they have in their own house. So they don't feel safe anywhere. Then it goes into the verbal abuse where he curses at her. He yells at her. He blames her. He shames her. He teases her. He calls her names. He talks about her weight. He talks about her hair. He just shames her. Then there's sexual abuse where he objectifies her. He has relations with her against her will. I know you don't think that happens, but I've counseled these people over the years in this church where women will say, my husband did this to me. And I won't use the word, but when someone is having relations against your will, you know what that is. Or he'll bring pornography and experimentation into the bedroom. No regard for her feelings may even force her into prostitution. And because of his unfaithfulness, he's sleeping around and bringing back sexually transmitted diseases into their home. Now, I know, again, you know, hey, it's till death. But let's not try to be more strict than God. I went to a school that tried to overlook the exception clauses and focus on the one verse where Jesus didn't mention the exception clause concerning how one can get a divorce, except for marital unfaithfulness, which is the word pornea, which speaks of illicit sexual activity. Jesus says if this thing is ongoing, you can get a divorce. But the legalists don't like Matthew 19. They don't like Matthew 5. They run to these other passages, the one in Mark. Because they want women to bear up under something they would never bear up under. Because they're abusive. And when I go to these commentaries, most of them written by men, and I come to passages like this, they are strangely silent. I'm going to say it again. They are strangely silent because of their chauvinism and their bigotry against women. <laughs> but it's in the book here. And Jesus commanded this. So when there's sexual abuse and emotional abuse where he controls what she does, who she talks to, who she can't talk to, where she goes, where she can't go, what she reads, what she can't read, he'll isolate her and keep her away from friends and people. She can't have people over to her house or their house unannounced or without his permission. He's emotionally abusing her. And then there's spiritual abuse. See, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I'm a challenger protector. But by way of the gifting of the Holy Spirit, I have the gift of prophecy. And I'm not afraid to confront evil, darkness, sin. And I'm a shepherd. And I have a rod and a staff in the figurative sense because my worship leader says we don't fight with these weapons. But I've met with the men who are so hard and threatening. And again, they try to step at me like that. I haven't been saved all my life. Um, I got a degree from street university. I don't like bullies. I don't like bullies. 
especially ones who use the Bible out of context to benefit themselves and to invoke guilt on their wives, who lead with law, never with love, who treat their wives like a slave or a house pet, or he acts like he's the only one that knows the Bible. So trying to have a dialogue is useless with people like this. He lords over her and he makes all of the major decisions. Spiritual abuse. That's not how the Bible talks about the covenant of marriage. And then there's financial abuse where she has to ask for money. He gives her an allowance and she doesn't know how much money he has. She doesn't know the financial state of the house. She's abused. So you got these cases and more that are different, highly subjective, and they all must be reviewed. Oh, boy. I'm going to close with this because I got to hit it next week because we're going to talk about not only the ideal, the ordeal. We're going to talk next week about what he says to the wife who walks away how she must remain unmarried. If she comes out of that, she must remain unmarried, which means she can't run right into another relationship. That's no deal. Okay, honey, okay, you're going to get out, okay. But you can't go and run to somebody else because you might end up choosing somebody just as sick as the dude you just left. You need time to heal and he needs time to heal because the goal is to see reconciliation at the end of this verse, which is the real deal. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to get into this. Uh, tell your friends that you know are in bad places and spaces to come and check us out or check this out. Um, it's so sad, y'all. You ever know, notice that in the book of Proverbs 5, the wife is described as a loving deer. A faithful doe, a deer, D-E-E-R. That majestic creature that God created that's very poised and beautiful and delicate. That God describes our wives as deer. Why would God describe our wives as deer? Because our wives, like the deer, are delicate, beautiful, majestic, poised. But if you know anything about deer, they're very shy, very bashful. They're easily threatened. They become afraid quickly. So if you have a big backyard by woods like we have out here, we got families of deer over here. When I'm coming to church up this street back here, man, there's a deer family. We saw 10 of them last week. They're everywhere around here. And if they trust you enough, they'll walk around. If you put a salt lick out, they just may come. But it takes time for them to come out of the trees in the woods to come near the civilization. They're trusting sometimes to a fault because they're not always looking around and they get run over. But once something happens where there's trauma, they back away and they go back into the woods. 
And there are men who are wondering, what happened to my wife? She's not comfortable around me. She's jittery around me. When I walk in a room, she looks like she's afraid of me. It might be that you've traumatized her. And rather than condemning her for what she's not, you need to look in the mirror and say, what have I done? Because she's only responding to what you're giving her or what you're not giving her. Now, again, I'm going to unpack some things because we got women who abuse men. Hang with me. But what does God have to say to us? Ah, help us, Holy Spirit. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. There's an ideal, but there's so many ordeals. I'm just going to pray for those right now. Again, we, we, just, we just touched the surface. You're going to keep coming back on it. I want you to read the Bible for yourself. Go over this passage and be reminded of how much God cares for you. Hmm. Father God, we so thankful for your love that keeps us when we fail fall short with one another and how we love one another but Lord we've got some people though whether they profess to be Christian or they're not Christians and they abuse their spouses they play mental games with them they're sexually unfaithful they're emotionally abusive, abusive physically abusive spiritually and financially abusive and people are wallowing away in their own marriages and in their homes some are just hanging in there for the sake of the children trying to make it through it's just so heavy but today Lord you just spoke a, a little word to let them know you see them they're not alone they're not forgotten You've made some allowance in your word that gives women the power, or at least it reminds them of the power you gave them. Lord, protect our sisters. Protect our brothers who go through something very similar but the other way. But these things drive us to you. And they remind us as we sang today about the battle that you surround us. The angel of the Lord surrounds those who fear him. Fight these battles for us. It's no mistake what we're preaching on right now. Because Lord, you not only want to bring revelation and insight, you want to bring protection pray Lord selfishly that you guard me because I've learned Lord that when you rattle the cobra's nest he comes back to attack and try to silence the preacher we recognize the scheme and we rebuke it in the name of Jesus and I will stand and I will preach the word 
I don't care what preachers don't agree with this view. I don't care what commentaries don't talk about this. I don't care about that's not proper to talk about in church. No, God, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. and You've anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To set at liberty the captives, even our people who are captive in their own marriages. Lord, as elders in this church, we will use the keys of the kingdom to bind and to loose the gates of hell. Protect each of us. Heal hearts, minds, homes. Hmm. And as we end every week, we're, we're asking that you would do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or imagine. It's according to the power that's working within us. To him be the glory, the majesty, the dominion, and the power right now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, amen. Can somebody give Jesus a hand praise? Just give him one. Just give him one. He's worthy. He's so worthy. He stands up for you. He's your strong tower. He's your defender. He's your refuge. Oh, he's your protector. If you want to meet Jesus, come meet me up front. If you want to become a member of this church, at least talk about it. Come meet me up front. If you want to get baptized, come holler at your boy. And have a good day in the Lord. Bless you. Bless you.